broadcasting from the historic Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville. It's time for Single Payer Radio, a project of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare. We are an affiliate of the Kentucky chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. We believe a national public publicly funded nonprofit single payer system is the solution to the current dysfunctional system that values profit and stockholder returns over patients. The views and opinions expressed on our show are those of the speakers and not the station. I'm Mark McKinley, a volunteer with the group. Single payer radio can be heard on Mondays here at 106 WFMP 1065, Mondays at 2 p.m., Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you can't pick up our radio signal, no problem. You can live stream us at forwardradio.org, and you can catch our shows at forwardradio.org and go to the archives if you've missed one. As you've probably heard, it's our spring pledge drive here at WFMP 1065 Forward Radio. I'd like to thank Lauren Kerr for her generous check to the station. Listeners can also go to forwardradio.org and donate securely there. This week's episode is more Frankfurt-centered. The Republican-dominated legislature at our state capitol is pushing ahead with HB7, a bill which will add layers of new rules and reporting requirements for folks participating in the Medicaid and SNAP, otherwise known as the food stamp programs. Those pushing the bill claim there's a lot of fraud in the programs. I looked at the Department of Agriculture website, and according to the SNAP Quality Control Office, over 98% of SNAP recipients are eligible. Most Medicaid recipients under Kentucky's expanded Medicaid program are already working. That's the excuse that um, some of these legislators use, that they, they want to get people back to work. According to the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy, HB7 will cost $255 million, mostly from Kentucky taxpayers. In addition to the new tax systems that this bill will require, the state will also need to hire about 500 more workers to oversee the changes that these bills are implementing. There's the the tragic human cost when neighbors lose their health and go hungry because of the just burdensome, unnecessary uh, reporting requirements that this legislation will, will mean. Also, Harriet Seiler and I attended a gathering organized by the Kentucky Poor People's Campaign last Monday, and we'll hear from a few of those folks who attended as well. A coalition of organizations who advocate for a stronger and more equitable safety net that meets the basic needs of every Kentuckian. 
because we know that too many are simply a lost job, reduced work hours, a new baby, an accident or illness away from qualifying for programs like Medicaid, SNAP, KTAP, and child care assistance. That's why we call it a safety net. Strong safety net honors the dignity of all Kentuckians and provides the foundation that we need to thrive as a commonwealth. Today we're here because House Bill 7 would decimate Kentucky's safety net and hurt every single one of us in the process. House Bill 7 takes away access to health care and food at a time when the cost of gas, utilities, groceries, and rent is skyrocketing. Adding harsh penalties, bans, unnecessary red tape, and reporting requirements to SNAP and Medicaid enrollees uh, will only make it harder for eligible Kentuckians who are doing all the right things to take care of themselves and their families. Instead of supporting Kentuckians, House Bill 7 creates a steeper benefits cliff for low-wage workers, pregnant women, children, students, caregivers, people with disabilities, and the elderly. And it doesn't stop there. A weaker safety net will create social and economic consequences. Many of our communities, our rural hospitals, grocers, and employers simply cannot weather. Our economy does not benefit everyone equitably, and we cannot punish people out of poverty. Rather than making it harder for people to be healthy and productive, we urge members of the Kentucky Senate to listen to the voices of Kentuckians who are better off because of food, because of healthcare, childcare, and other assistance programs, and to work with stakeholders to design a bill that improves the well-being of Kentuckians, our communities, and our economy. Today, I'm joined by advocates who will speak about the impact of House Bill 7 and the impact that it would have specifically on the Kentuckians who use these programs to improve their health, their well-being, their economic security, as well as the providers, grocers, farmers, and entire communities who benefit from a strong safety net. Thank you. Um, Dustin, you want to come up and join me? Hello, my name is Dustin Pugel. I'm Senior Policy Analyst with the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy. All of us here throughout the Commonwealth look to the General Assembly to propose and pass policies that improve the quality of life. But so far this year, we've seen a host of legislation that would move us in the wrong direction. Legislation that cuts unemployment benefits, reduces food assistance, keeps people in jail longer before their trial even starts, and throws up new barriers in front of folks looking for help with groceries and medicine. Take, for example, House Bill 4, which was made law last night. It takes what was already a frustratingly difficult unemployment insurance system and makes it stingier and harder to navigate. It drastically cuts the number of weeks people can get help after being laid off from 26 weeks to effectively just six. And in doing so, it explicitly pushes laid off workers into lower paying jobs outside of their careers. Senate Joint Resolution 150 is another example, and again, was made law last night. Because of our state emergency, Kentuckians who use the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program have been getting an average of 41% more toward their groceries. But ending that emergency declaration earlier with SJR 150, SNAP participants will see their benefits shrink by an average of $100 per month. That pulls $50 million out of our economy each month we don't have that extra funding. House and Senate Bills 313 ban nonprofits from helping pay bail for those who can't afford it taking away one of the only ways Kentuckians without financial means can avoid pretrial incarceration in our wealth-based detention system. So 
Just because they can't afford bail, folks who have not yet been convicted of a crime would have to sit in jail rather than participate as members of their family or society. And that leads us to House Bill 7, which we're going to talk more about today. It passed out of committee and the House in one day last week. It makes our safety net programs even more complicated and difficult to navigate through a tangle of new red tape and barriers for Kentuckians seeking assistance with groceries and medicine. Despite affordable food and health care creating the foundation for our economic security, this bureaucratic maze of new eligibility rules, reporting mandates, and paperwork tripwires would leave seniors, kids, and underpaid workers, many of whom are still eligible for the program, hungrier and sicker as assistance is taken away from them. It would also cost the state millions to implement. If the legislature pairs these nationally unparalleled attacks to our safety net, with tax giveaways to the wealthy that shovel money out of the general fund to rich corporate interests, it will lower the quality of life in Kentucky. Far from being business friendly, these bills would make Kentucky a worse place for most of us to live, raise a family, and contribute to the economy. But there's still time. The General Assembly can reverse course on House Bill 7 and instead build on the foundational supports we all need at times to get by through doing things like expanding childcare improving home and community-based services, and fostering higher wages in the jobs that already exist. Today, you'll hear from many who are concerned that House Bill 7 is the latest and largest attack on our safety net, and we all, all of us, urge the Senate to protect their constituents and abandon this harmful legislation. Next up, we have Elena. Hi everyone, my name is um, Elena Sweezy and I'm representing the Kentucky chapter of the National Association of Social Workers today. Um, I just also wanna say that I am a person in recovery, long-term recovery of almost 10 years and I'm a person who's formerly incarcerated. And I was a recipient of these programs in Kentucky like SNAP and WIC and things like that. I was a brand new mother and I really relied on these programs for my family to survive for a while. Um, and so they're just absolutely instrumental to Kentucky families. And also, I just want to say March is social work month. So shout out to all the social workers and everybody that does um, all the great work in Kentucky. Um, so, you know, uh, as we bear witness uh, every day to the brutal reality of poverty and its impact on all of our citizens, Kentucky remains the number one state for child abuse and neglect. One in five children live in poverty and 25,000 children and youth are homeless and Kentucky is number seven for both human trafficking and incarcerated mothers. So with this bill, um, where they're saying that is for people who are committing fraud, um, with a 1% fraud rate and comprehensive measures in place to report fraud, why is the motive behind this bill that will cost Kentuckians hundreds of millions of dollars to implement? House Bill 7 attacks the working poor who are doing their best to work at jobs that they do not pay enough for to support them and their families, especially single parent households. 9% of child care centers have closed across Kentucky and many are not open. After hours, when a parent has to work and thus must find caregivers at a cost often more than they make at minimum wage jobs. Transportation, rent, and food costs are increasing and all programs like SNAP are a lifeline for families. The COVID global pandemic 
prove that many families are just two paychecks away from losing everything. This is unnecessary and a harmful attack on Kentuckians as we navigate our way through this deadly pandemic. It's both cruel and inhumane. So I just want to thank everyone for, be, for being here and thank you. And we have Chelsea up next. Hello, my name is Chelsea Nickham. I'm the SNAP Outreach Specialist for God's Pantry Food Bank. I have the privilege of serving 50 counties doing SNAP outreach and application assistance, so I hear a lot of stories from people all over Kentucky. I can tell you that nobody wants to be in a position to need SNAP, but they are struggling, they are hungry, and they need help. I assisted a young woman this month, Jay, who is a single mother of three. Jay's kids are school-aged and she's been having trouble holding down a job because whenever one of her kids gets sick, she has to call off work. Their father, B, lives in a different county and they don't have alternate childcare. Jay lives in an area with exceptionally high unemployment, so she is currently exempt from work requirement time limits. These waivers are only used in places and times of economic downturn, such as during the COVID-19 pandemic or in certain counties, especially in rural Eastern Kentucky, where jobs are scarce. B used to drive for Uber, but when his car broke down, he lost his transportation and his only source of income all at once. There is no public transportation where he lives, so finding work has been difficult for him too. He's been doing odd jobs and seasonal work when he can, but the pay is inconsistent. Under House Bill 7, if he doesn't report every single change in income, his inconsistent income, within 10 days, he could lose his SNAP. I hear stories every single day about people like Jay and B and plenty of others who are eligible for SNAP in every way, but they cannot overcome the barriers and the red tape that are already in place. Many have gone without food that they desperately needed because it is already so hard to get SNAP, and House Bill 7 will only make things harder. SNAP recipients are not the only ones with cause for concern. For every meal a food bank provides, SNAP provides nine. Food banks do not have the capacity to serve nine times the food to all of the neighbors who would suddenly find themselves without SNAP because of this bill. Grocers and farmers, especially those in low-income neighborhoods, rely on SNAP purchases for their own income. Each dollar in SNAP generates $1.79 in economic activity. A huge decrease in SNAP spending also means a huge hit to the local economy. The Department for Community-Based Services is already overwhelmed with hold times up to 40 minutes to an hour or more. Recipients are only currently reporting changes every six months at the time of recertification, but with this bill, every one of the 544,000 Kentuckians currently receiving SNAP would have, to be, would have to report every single life change within 10 days instead of six months. Imagine how difficult that would be to report life changes within 10 days for people who are homeless, for people like J and B who have inconsistent income, for people with disabilities or health problems, or just for people going through an especially hard time like so many SNAP recipients are. Actual SNAP fraud occurs in less than 2% of SNAP cases less than 2%, but House Bill 7 would cost tens of thousands of Kentuckians vital food assistance. House Bill 7 will ultimately cost too much and create too many barriers for the economy, for grocers and farmers who need the income from SNAP purchases to stay in business, for food banks who will face a sudden increased demand, and for families like J and B and their children. This bill will not stop the less than 2% of cases that are fraudulent, but it will hurt tens of thousands of honest Kentuckians who are trying their best, who are working hard, but who are struggling and who need our help. Thank you. And uh, next we have Kimmy. Good afternoon, <clears throat> excuse me. So good afternoon, I am Kimmy Ishmael with Community Farm Alliance. Um, I am their policy campaign coordinator. 
And today I'm here to express a little bit about what it would mean to farmers um, through HB7. So when it comes to Kentucky, um, farmers and agriculture hold up a lot of our local economy. Um, with the passing of HB7, there are concerns for beginner and small farmers. Um, though legislators have said that this bill would, um, would not impact working people, HB7 would harm both uh, the salary and the supports of hardworking farmers um, who receive um, these following programs. The average uh, salary in Kentucky for a farmer is just $22,000 a year. So many, um, making many Kentucky families eligible for programs like SNAP and Medicaid. Um, with already low salaries, um, farmers are mostly seasonal workers. So new change reporting requirements would be an extremely burdensome task on those farmers whose wages uh, change or fluctuate frequently and also have limited access to broadband internet in very rural areas to be able to do that reporting. But this would also hurt farmers' profits. Um, from the year 2013 to 2020, SNAP participation increased 123% at local farmers' markets. Um, that impact led to new markets and to new programs to help farmers and those who use SNAP. And the cabinet estimates that HB7 would lose over $100 million in SNAP funding. Less people shopping at the markets because they cannot afford it means fewer sales and a more narrow customer base for our Kentucky farmers. And programs like Kentucky Double Dollars that Community Farm Alliance started, which allows SNAP recipients to double their bucks at farmers markets, could also be heavily impacted. Redemptions for Kentucky Double Dollars in the year 2021 was over $300,000. And that money is going back into our economy and into the pockets of farmers. HB7's new requirements would create barriers for those who need it and for those who do want to use those locally grown, uh, grown products. So, so when our farmers are working so hard to feed hungry Kentuckians, we should not be making it harder for them to feed their own families. Thank you. And next we have Melissa. Good afternoon. My name is Melissa Holland. I'm the interim executive director of the Kentucky Council of Churches. I really appreciate being asked to be here today. Um, I was present last Thursday when the House uh, Committee on Health and Family Services, let me repeat that, health and family services passed in, in that committee, HB 7. I left here distraught, sad, um, angry that this bill had passed in that committee. I looked out at the committee and thought, how many of you have tried to figure out how to feed your family tonight? I was going home and fixing dinner for my family and uh, my son and his wife and children and, and uh, in-laws because it was St. Patrick's Day. We had a very good meal uh, because I had the means to do that. There was once in my life that I didn't have the means. Uh, back when I was 18 to about 25, 26 years old, I was making some bad decisions. Uh, I was married, had a child, and uh, I've got two children. And I can remember that my husband was an alcoholic. And there were times that we weren't sure what we were gonna have. Of course, bean soup and potato soup is always good. 
but uh, to go to the grocery and buy something. But with my salary, I had a decent job, but I was always just over the, uh, the threshold where I was not eligible for anything. Did I participate in fraud? Well, let me tell you, there was a guy in our apartment building that knew that we were struggling because my husband couldn't hold a job. And he, uh, he would bring over to the house uh, to my apartment, uh, milk and bread and cereal. He said, I, I knew you were struggling. Guess what? He was probably doing it on food stamps. So yes, was I participating in fraud? Yes. This gentleman took out of his need to provide for me. And um, I look around and I go, how many of you have ever been in that spot? And I'm not here to judge whether they have or not. But I do know that I left here Thursday being ashamed, ashamed of, first time I've ever been ashamed to say I was a Kentuckian, that we weren't looking after the, the most in need. And I started thinking about scripture readings. One is from Matthew. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor in banquets and the best seats in the synagogues. And then I also thought of the scripture reading in Matthew, later on in Matthew, because I heard the other day when I was sitting here, I heard somebody say, scripture tells us, to teach somebody how to fish, and they will fish for the rest of their lives. But if you just hand them food, they have one meal. Guess what? That's not in Scripture, by the way. At least I haven't found it. Of course, I was raised Roman Catholic, so I don't proof test text a lot. Uh, but I do know, what I think, what's in there and what's not. No, what I hear in Scripture is, and all the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate the one from the another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the, wor foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me the food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger and you welcomed me naked and you clothed me, ill and you cared for me, in prison you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And the king will say to them in reply, amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. That he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no welcome. I was a stranger and you gave me no welcome. I was naked and you gave me no clothing, ill and, you, and in prison, and you did not care for me. They will say in answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? He will say to them, Amen, I say to you, 
what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And there will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You know, I have been in a place where I didn't know what I was going to feed my children. And I gave my daughter her first economics lesson when she said to me, but mom, we can get a pizza delivered. And I said, I have no money. I can't do that. And she said, but you have checks, don't you? I said, well, get my purse. Let me explain it to you. I had $15 in my checking account. I wasn't sure how I was going to pay the bills the next week. I had family that was able to reach out to me and to help me. And every time I made a bad decision, my parents lifted me up out of that and set me on the right track, never looking back to anything I'd done before, but said, let's help you get there. I never had my children go hungry because I had people. We have vulnerable people here that have no one but us. And if we don't feed them and clothe them and give them health care and visit the sick and visit those imprisoned, we are not abiding by the laws of Christ. Next we'll have Catherine Mueller. Hello, thank you for being here, everybody. Uh, my name is Catherine Mueller. I work with the Homeless and Housing Coalition of Kentucky. Over the past year, I've spoken to dozens of folks who use housing and rent assistance in one form or another. Unequivocally, a commonality they all share is how much they depend on extra programs like SNAP and Medicaid to help them keep everything afloat. These are Kentuckians working two and three, often part-time jobs, stitching them together, all for extremely low, often poverty wages who, despite all of their best efforts and being as resourceful as they can be, which is difficult often in small rural communities, need help to stay fed and to stay healthy. In Northern Kentucky, I spoke to a woman, Amy, who said the food banks and church food box programs are so flooded, they often run out within the first hours on the days that they're open with long lines of people turned away. There is no other option after that but to go to the grocery store. She's a stay-at-home mom with three children. One is disabled and cannot attend public school, and there is no medical daycare available in their community. Uh, on her husband's salary, they're able to get their mortgage paid and to cover their bills, but, but that's it. Without SNAP, they would not be able, a family with three children, they would not be able to buy their groceries. Uh, the demand is so high that the churches and food banks are simply not stocked well enough that the family can get a box or a food share every week. They can't do it. I interviewed Dr. Chuck Johnson in South Williamson, a small community in rural eastern Kentucky, who was insistent on the importance of keeping Medicaid expansion. Without it, people who are working as hard as they can for employers who will not insure them would not be able to go to the doctor for simple things like annual exams and colonoscopies and for bigger issues like cardiology visits and oncologists. There are no other jobs to answer the, well, they should work somewhere that offers insurance, uh, predictable quip that we hear so often. There are no other jobs in these small rural communities. This is a region where people are lucky to find work that is almost full time, luckier still to find an extra position that they can fit in for supplemental income. These are two stories out of hundreds, thousands, exactly the same. The sturdy people of Kentucky work, and they work hard. 
They're, they're more creative than they should have to be, managing utility bills and grocery bills by the day, waiting for checks to be deposited or snap cards to be refilled, and planning meals that will provide leftovers to fill the time in between. HB 7 is unnecessarily harsh and will make the already tough lives of these people even tougher. HB 7 punishes people who are doing the best they can with what the local economy supplies them. With the help of SNAP and Medicaid, these families are able to stay housed. Census Household Pulse survey data over the past two years and as recently as this February indicate that 16% of households reported it was somewhat or very difficult to pay for usual expenses and 126,841 Kentuckians used SNAP to meet household expenses like pay rent. Prior to the pandemic, 81% of extremely low-income Kentucky renters were paying more than 50% of their monthly income in rent. More than 50% of their monthly income in rent. People experiencing homelessness are entitled to ex expedited supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits. Yet the massive increase in administrative tasks under HB 7 would mean that CHFS and DCBS employees could not process the expedited SNAP in accordance with federal law in the required 10-day timeline. The change reporting requirement for people without fixed addresses, including those temporary dis temporarily displaced by natural disasters, such as flooding or tornadoes, would cause undue suspension of benefits once received. For people without regular mail or online access, which is a huge problem in our rural areas, Reporting every minute change will lock people out of critical food and medical assistance. Taking away this safety net that helps keep nutrition and health care as accessible options will have a chain reaction. It will take away the ability to cover housing. As the Senate considers this bill, we urge each and every one to think about the Kentucky families working as hard as they can to make ends meet, pulling themselves up by the bootstraps, and what bare minimum necessities HB 7 will take away from them in an already stressful economic time should it pass. Next we have uh, Rich. Hi everybody, I'm Rich Seckel. I'm director of Kentucky Equal Justice Center. Uh, Kentucky Equal Justice Center is a non-federally funded partner with civil legal aid programs across the state that help people when things go wrong with public benefits. The perplexing notices, denials of aid, unexpected cutoffs. We and our legal aid partners see in heartbreaking detail what it looks like to navigate the bureaucracy or to go without help. Uh, together with National Health Law Program and Southern Poverty Law Center, we challenged Governor Bevin's plan for Medicaid work requirements, requirements that reappear in this bill. Uh, we won in federal district court. Governor Bashir withdrew that plan. If we're looking for a touchstone or bent benchmark, I hope we keep in mind the troubling times that are now ending. The pandemic showed we need a safety net that works efficiently, treats people with respect, and provides real help. That means straightforward rules, user-friendly programs, adequate staffing, and modern technology. It means answering the phones. I don't know whether the lawmakers or their families or uh, neighbors needed, needed help. I was thinking about this in the room last week. But I think that's a useful frame for thinking about this. What if they did? How would they want these programs to operate for them and treat them? Um, sadly, House Bill 7 doesn't look like it grew from talking with hard-hit 
Kentuckians about what would help them when they need it. Many of its provisions reportedly came from the wish list of an out-of-state think tank uh, with an ideological agenda that predated COVID-19. Uh, the name of that group is Foundation for Government, Governmental Accountability. Their lobbying arm here in Kentucky is Opportunity Solutions. The House discussion of House Bill 7 revealed talking points used to justify the bill. As reported by Kentucky Health News, the prime sponsor, Representative David Mead, said the only way you would lose benefits in this bill is if you were doing something that is illegal or you're an able-bodied adult with no dependents that is not willing to participate in the work program. I am here to tell you that that is incorrect. And you've heard that from other speakers as well. The gorilla in the room on House Bill 7 is the blizzard of reporting requirements it would unleash. That's what will cause people to lose coverage. It will happen under SNAP work reporting, change reporting, and under Medicaid work reporting if it comes to pass. That is not idle speculation. We need only look at what happened in Arkansas to see the result. They implemented a work program, uh, a work requirement for Medicaid, very much like Governor Bevin's. It ran for a few months before the federal court court struck it down in a case that actually was combined with our Kentucky case. Uh, about 18,000 people lost coverage in just a handful of months. I vividly recall a PBS news story that showed an older worker in Arkansas looking into his phone, trying to figure out how to report the work that he was actually doing. He had failed once already. He went to the pharmacy and found out he'd lost his Medicaid coverage. That's what this bill will look like here. In SNAP, it's the vast increase in required reporting that will trip people up. Um, House floor discussion revealed narratives used to justify this bill of non-working able-bodied adults and fraudsters gaming the system. Those statements should give us pause. Uh, there's a great new article by someone at the Center for Law and Social Policy that notes Although the number of convicted instances of fraud is low, everyone who receives public benefits is clouded by fear. And her theme of that article was racialized fraud provisions criminalize hunger. Uh, it's well past time to call out the fraud and dependency stereotypes each time they are raised. They not only hide the real-life story of the vast majority of Kentuckians who use the safety net, they justify policies that deprive Kentuckians of health care and food when they need it. So, who's after me? Cassidy, looks like, or Christy. Hello, I am uh, Christy Young. I am the Government Relations Director with the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. The American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network opposes House Bill 7, which would require a majority of adults enrolled in Medicaid to meet various work requirements as a condition of eligibility for health care coverage and create a more complex and burdensome system for determining Medicaid eligibility. Imposing a work or job training requirement as a condition of eligibility and putting up barriers to Medicaid eligibility could result in a significant number of cancer patients, survivors, and many other individuals managing severe chronic illnesses being denied access to timely, appropriate, and life-saving health care and treatment services. Maintaining access to quality, affordable, accessible, and comprehensive 
health care coverage and services is a matter of life and survivorship for thousands of low-income cancer patients and survivors in Kentucky. ACS CAN, the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, urges the Senate to stop House Bill 7, as many cancer patients in active treatment are often unable to work or require significant work modifications due to their treatments. It would also create unnecessary red tape for Medicaid enrollees, as well as increased and expensive administrative burdens for the administration. Around 30,370 Kentuckians are expected to be diagnosed with cancer this year, many of whom are receiving health care coverage through Kentucky's Medicaid program. The Medicaid program helps low-income cancer patients and survivors manage their disease, maintain a good quality of life, and improve their financial situation. For these and many other reasons, Medicaid is a critical safety net in the fight against cancer. ACS CAN urges the legislature to stop this dangerous legislation that would create barriers for cancer patients and cost lives. Thank you. Hi, I'm Cassidy Wheeler with Feeding Kentucky. We're a partner organization of Feeding America. I serve as the advocacy coordinator and my job is to advocate for hungry Kentuckians. We provide food to one in seven Kentuckians through our partner food banks and pantries. While the work that they do is vital to fighting food insecurity across the Commonwealth, food banks are designed to supplement food assistance programs like SNAP. They do not have the capacity to be the primary food provider for hungry Kentuckians. In fact, for every one meal served by a food bank, SNAP served nine. If House Bill 7 passes, thousands of Kentuckians will lose assistance and the food banks will be left to fill in the gaps. They would have to provide nine times more food than they already do in order to meet this need, which is an impossible task. Instead, Kentuckians will go hungry. Here in Kentucky, 70% of households receiving SNAP have children. More than 36% of households have a member with a disability. The people that this bill will harm are already vulnerable. Children, single mothers, disabled and elderly folks. Already one in seven Kentucky adults and one in six Kentucky children experience hunger. If House Bill 7 passes, that number will rise exponentially. If House Bill 7 passes, people will go hungry. Help us protect our neighbors and keep them fed by asking Kentucky legislators to vote no on House Bill 7. Thank you. And next up, we have Keisha Curry. Good afternoon. My name is Dr. Sheila Schuster, and I'm the executive director of the Advocacy Action Network, which encompasses the Kentucky Mental Health Coalition and the United 874K Disabilities Coalition. As many of you know, I'm also a licensed psychologist who is in clinical practice seeing children and adolescents and their families for 27 years. It is from that perspective that I would like to say a few words about House Bill 7. House Bill 7 will wreak havoc on thousands of children across Kentucky. Absolutely will wreak havoc on those children. I'm sure that this is not the intention of the bill sponsors, but that is what the result will be if it passes and becomes law. Those of you who have had the pleasure of living with children or spending any time with them know that what I'm about to say is true. Children of all ages are like radar scopes. They're picking up information 
and feelings continuously as they scan their environment. Even as infants, they are sensitive both to the moods and to the actions of the adults around them, whether they have the language development to understand and express it or not. They sense anxiety and depression and anger, just as they are aware of joy and happiness and peace. House Bill 7, with its mountains of requirements of paperwork and recertifications and updatings, will strike fear in the hearts of tens of thousands of Kentucky adults, many of them living in families with children. They will worry that basic sustenance, food on the table, may be cut back or lost. And they will worry that their access to health care through Medicaid coverage may disappear leaving them untreated except in the emergency room and only when they are desperate and hurting. And as hard as they will try, as every parent does, not to have their children worry about what might happen and, what, and to hold in their own angst, the children will know that things are not right. They will know that there's danger of some kind lurking right outside the door. And the children will try to figure out how to make it right they will eat less because they know that food may become scarce. They will worry that mom or dad may get sick and won't be able to go to the doctor. They know that their parents are worried about these things, so they take on these worries as well. All of the feelings that they have been living with during the COVID pandemic will come back to them. The fear that bad things will happen, the not knowing when the bad time will end or if it will ever end, and the feeling that they have no control over what's happening to them and to their family. The anxiety and depression that we have seen across all age groups during COVID, and especially with our children and adolescents, will be evident again. And it is all absolutely unnecessary, absolutely unnecessary. The vast, vast majority of Kentuckians are not ripping off the system. They, are, they do not fit the ugly stereotype of people on the dole. The vast majority of them are working hard to keep themselves and their families together, fed, in good health, and functioning. They need a helping hand when times are bad as they are now, and they get worse, and they will be worse with a growing recession looming. For the sake of our children, I urge our senators not to pass House Bill 7. Thank you. And at this time, I just want to point out that we have a wonderful sign-on letter if anyone has not signed on. I think we have nearly 200 organizations and individuals, and that number is growing. So I um, urge you all to sign on. And I want to thank those who shared their personal experiences because that's uh, not an easy thing to do. I hope that the senators have heard our message today. Thank you. Thank you. 
ceremony for people across the state. And we're also then gonna line up in the hallway after and, and give our use our bodies to give our message to the legislators as they walk them through. So what I want you to know is that when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, they didn't need that many people to bring the walls down. And so the people that are in the audience are the people who are supposed to be here. There's a great message that's gonna be delivered to each and every one of you, even myself.
today, women still have not achieved pay equity. If Kentuckians are as good as I believe them to be in large part, they'll welcome the Fairness Act with open arms. It protects their neighbors from discrimination that does exist in the darkest corners of this country. For those that haven't grown above their disagreements, yes. I have friends that have been beaten black and blue because their voices are just too high. Called names and slurs that should barely be reserved for the dictionary. Other friends felt so uncomfortable at work or in their own home that they just moved. Homes or jobs. And other friends have committed suicide because they felt out of place in their own skin. Because the world said they were someone they knew themselves not to be. They weren't given the tools to just look in the mirror and be happy. They were told the world was cold and they were just wrong about themselves. But it didn't fix anything. Banning the only support network outside of home that exists will and has caused irreparable damage to young Kentuckians. Banning healthcare without acknowledging the pain and anguish of families and trans youth is certainly easy. It's a denial of basic humanity. And if you don't have that, you don't have to feel bad. So if it's selfish to ask on my own behalf, I plead on theirs and the tens of thousands of other Kentuckians who will and have suffered if they are not protected by our great nation and commonwealth of laws. Our next speaker is Marcus Jackson. At the, at the crux of all of this is building power to change laws, and that's restoring, that's voting rights and restoration of voting rights. Here to talk to us about all of that is Marcus. Thank you.
probably when I go through. But I tell you one thing, we're no longer sitting on the sidelines. We're no longer being quiet. We're no longer just taking your word for whatever you want to say to us. We're going to speak for ourselves. We'll draft our own legislation. It's our language. It's what we know works for us. You want me to come home after incarceration. You want me to be a productive member of society. You want me to take care of my family. You want me to take care of my community. Then you don't provide me the tools for me to take care of my family. Um, 